not a lot of the church family knows when you guys were here last with us. Yeah, right? uh, on the Fourth of July, we were here, or we were here for the Fourth of July weekend, and uh, we went to watch the fireworks, and it was a bunch of the church family there. And uh, one of the ladies was having an issue in particular, and so we just said, well, let's pray for you here, you know? Because again, sometimes we want to make things that it has to be done in church. Yeah, no. <laughs> you are the church, yes. and you take the church wherever you go, so you can pray for anybody anywhere, anytime. So anyway, we just gathered around her and prayed for her, and so she went to the doctor, she told me the next day, and the doctor prescribed some kind of medication for her, but she never took it. She decided, no, nope, she's just going to trust God. Well, I, I think the issue stopped, I think, very very soon after that, that she never had that issue. And I don't want to go into it because it's being recorded here. So, But, uh, you know, there's things that, there's times that you're going to be put on the spot. And you have to be instant in season and out of season kind of thing. And be ready to pray at any time. Amen. Listen, it's not always going to be comfortable on your flesh. And people used to call me lots of times and say, will you pray for me? And I'm like, yeah. And I sure hope they hung up the phone next so I didn't have to do it with them on the phone. Because I, I was not real brave about praying out loud for people. And, of course, nothing sounds any worse than your own voice sometimes. <laughs> so, so anyway, but this one lady in particular, she called and she said, uh, I want you to pray for me. I said, oh, okay, I'll do it after we get after. Oh, no, she said, I want you to do it right now. I'm like, I'm out of almost in panic mode at the time because, you know, I hadn't been in the ministry or anything at that point. So, but anyway, uh, I felt like a little kid, you know, like I stumbled over my words, I stuttered, you know, and I don't even normally stutter, but I kind of stuttered through my words because she caught me off guard. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And sometimes you're going to be caught off guard, but you know what? You allow the Holy Spirit to rise up on the inside of you, and that bold, mighty man, woman, or God will rise up, and that spirit man, you pray out of your spirit man rather than out of your flesh. And if you pray to your spirit man, you'll never pray a wrong prayer, you know, so just just be aware of that. There's times, like I said, you're even for the kids. You guys are going to be out on the playground somewhere sometime, and somebody may get hurt, mm -hmm. and maybe they're pinky. Mm -hmm. But you know what? You can stop and say, "Hey, let me pray for you right now," Amen. so we can finish enjoy playing on the playground. Mm -hmm. You know, so let's not be intimidated. Let's not let the enemy intimidate us. Mm -hmm. Nobody else will intimidate you like the devil. Yeah. <laughs> right. And, and and let's not get into your own insecurity. Listen, we all have them. Yeah. Sometimes we let them be magnified, and sometimes we don't. But listen, don't get let the enemy beat you into that because that will cause you to back off. And the more you back off, the less and less you're going to be take that bold step yeah. to to pray for people. And you know, you can always pray for yourself for boldness. Amen. Amen. Very good. Amen. Because there's times we need to pray for ourselves for boldness. And listen, it's not a bad thing to pray for yourself anytime. <laughs> Just know that. Because yeah. some people, you know, especially as preachers, we get praying and we pray around the world kind of thing sometimes, but we don't pray for ourselves. Mm -hmm. You know, when I do start praying like that, I pray for me first. Mm -hmm. Think about it for a second. Because if I've got to pray for all the rest of them, I better know that I'm... And good, <laughs> you know, I'm saying that I'm, I'm able to do this and not just fumble through it. Yeah. Too many times I think Christians fumble and stumble through prayer times mm -hmm. instead of being bold about it. Yet the word says we can come boldly before the throne. Amen. We don't have to sneak into the throne room. <laughs> yeah. We don't have to come in cowardly <laughs> with a guilty conscience. Yeah. We can come boldly into the throne and the thing is, when, sometimes I tell people, you almost just got to get out there and just say, I'm coming boldly. Yeah. And, and go through that action because that will stir up your spirit man on the inside and it will cause you to rise up and be more bold. Yeah. So just encourage you in that. If, if you find yourself getting intimidated or shied away from praying for people, not to do that in the future. Yeah. Because these people need you. Very they need what you have. They need the anointing that's in you. Amen. Make sense? Yes. You know, good. because lots of times they don't have, they don't know what they have or don't have. 
And we don't make them feel guilty because they don't have either. But we encourage them and say, you know what? Because people have said to me, I wish I could pray like you. I said, I wish I could pray like me too. But I didn't always used to pray like this, you know? It took me years of getting through my own insecurities, getting through, stumbling through my own mindsets sometimes yes. to, to take the courage to think that I can really do this, yeah. that I can really pray for people, and it won't really happen. Amen. You know, so don't don't let the enemy ever sh intimidate you into backing away, and and like even like last night when we gathered around, I was like, okay, somebody get bold in this group and pray out, because you know what? So what if you take the lead and somebody else decides they want to go too? Go for it. Yeah. It don't have to be only one person. I tell people, you know, when when I'm going to pray, I don't have to call you up and say, hey, Audra, mm -hmm. what time are you praying? God can hear us all at one time. And that freaks people out who's not used to going in a church where everybody's praying. Yeah. Yeah. Right? They're thinking, this is utter chaos. But yet it's not if you think about it. If I'm in my home and you guys are all in your home and I'm up in Tennessee, I don't have to call down here to see which one of you is going to be praying next. So God got time to hear me. Mm -hmm. yeah. you know? And yet we, we carry that behavior sometimes into the church realm. Especially prayer meeting times. Anybody? I'm, I've been to prayer meeting many times as a kid. And, and, and you know, there's always only one person who ever prays out. Yeah. All the rest are quiet. Well, how can you be in agreement if you're quiet? Yeah. You know, when you're going to pray some things and, and pray some things out, we need to be not quiet. We need to be saying, yeah, brother, go for it. Yeah, pray, Lord, yes. do it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because that will encourage the person who's praying yes. to continue on pushing. Yeah. And there's times we've got to push through. And I'm sorry, all this was not planned this morning. But there's times we've got to push through the discomfort of ourselves. Very good. That's okay. And the frame of mind that we come in. Listen, how many times when people come into church and, and, and you just got to take one look at them as pastors, right? And you know there's been some strife somewhere before they got in church. Uh, Steve and I went through this whole thing one, one Sunday morning. We never told the congregation, okay? Was, so if we come in and we just start arguing, which that's not something we do. But, and I'm like, I wish you didn't turn on that stupid music. And he's like, well, it's better than your country music. And, and the congregation's sitting there looking at us like, they can't believe this is happening, right? But see, we planned the whole thing. Steve and I did. We planned the whole thing. And, and you could see them. They were starting to squirm on the seat. And we just kept going with it because we knew where we were going with this thing. And, and, and I mean, some of them were almost ready to walk out. And we said, hold on a second. Now, this is just like some of you before you came in here this morning. You were on your way to church and you had an argument with your spouse over something with the bathroom or whatever. And, and, you're, and then you come in here and expect the presence of God to flow. You expect the anointing to flow. And yet, you've been in strife before you walked in. So I tell people, leave your strife outside the door. Leave whatever happened to you and your spouse on the way to church outside the door. Because that way it's easier for the anointing to flow between one another. Yeah. And you won't become an hindrance or, or you won't allow your spouse to become an hindrance to you. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes you're thinking... If they only knew what she said this morning before I left. <laughs> we just had this incident happen at, in our class back in, in Tennessee. And, and this husband, he giggled out loud. He couldn't hold it back. And, and, uh, and so after he said, you have no idea. Like, everything you said this morning was exactly what happened to us <laughs> on our way to church this morning. And, but again, and, and I said to him, I said, but you got a good wife. Yeah. And, and he kind of like, you know, and I said, you do. Just this morning, you guys were not where you needed to be with things, you know. Yeah. But I said, the thing is, listen, we can't allow our stuff, the junk in our trunks, to come in church with us. Or to come into our place of worship. Because if you bring that junk in, that's where your focus is. Yeah. Your focus is on the junk that was in your trunk yeah. that you brought in with you this morning. You know, so again, just... Practice, for lack of a better word, practice leaving it outside yeah. and saying, yeah. you know what, I'm not going to bring that attitude yes. into right. the sanctuary. That's right. Because God, you are worthy to be praised no matter what I feel like this morning or no matter who I argued with or, or yeah. grumbled or complained about. Yeah, that's right. Because the enemy will use that 
to derail you. Yes. And so you leave and you go home and you're still frustrated. You came in frustrated, you left frustrated. Because you did not learn to leave that outside. And then when you go home or on your way home with your spouse, please apologize for your stinking attitude. You know? Because it does. It stinks. It, stinks. it pollutes things. When we come in with wrong attitudes, it pollutes the atmosphere. Yeah. Not that God can't do anything. God can do anything. But again, you are affected by it. Yeah. I am affected by it. Somebody sitting next to you is affected. Because you're sitting there and you've got your arms crossed. It's like, I'm not doing nothing. You know, I'm not praising God today. I don't care what the pastor says. How dare he expect me to come in. He has no idea what I went through on my way here this morning. Yeah. Something yeah. I identify. I hear. Yeah. You know, but isn't that true? Yeah. And so if we learn to, to leave that stuff out there, yeah. come in and, and repent within our own mm-hmm. hearts for our stinking attitude, even though nobody else may know you had a stinking attitude, but you do. Yeah. God does. So if you can get rid of that, it will let you to, to, to praise uninnered. And God does not want us hindered when we come into his house. Mm-hmm. He does not want us in a frame of mind that we cannot give him the glory that's due to his name. Amen? Amen? That's good. All right, Steve. Mm-hmm. Sorry. And for those who say, well, under the New Testament, nothing could be hindered anyway. First uh, Peter 3, 7 is in the New Testament. It tells husbands to treat their wives nice lest their prayers be hindered. Mm-hmm. That's right. I didn't write it. God did. Yeah. So, yeah. And another thought for you, you say, well... Can I really trust the Holy Spirit to give me the right words when I'm ministering to someone? Well, you know, Jesus said, if you're called before councils, don't premeditate what you're going to say, but the Holy Spirit will give you the words when you're in that situation. Well, if the Holy Spirit could give you the words if you were arrested for being a Christian and brought up on charges, and he'd give you the words to speak when that happened, couldn't he give you the words to speak other times too? That's right. So you have to start trusting the Holy Spirit in you as opposed to just trusting you. That's right. You know, thank God the Holy Spirit knows everything. He knows more than you know. And he can work through you and he wants to work through you. And you can trust him to work through you. He won't let you down because he has an interest in seeing that person helped too. He has an interest. The Holy Spirit bears witness of Jesus. He knows what Jesus did for everyone on the planet. And he wants everyone to know what Jesus did so that they can walk in the benefits that Jesus paid for them to have. Amen. So this is a kind of a question and answer thing. I'm, I'm actually going to start out with some common questions that get asked a lot. And you may have some others. But one of the big questions we get asked is, should I throw away my medicine after I'm prayed for? And the answer is, you don't. throwing away your medicine does not prove anything. A lot of people, well, it may prove that you need to go back to the pharmacy and get some more later. Uh, it's like saying, if I stomp on my glasses, that'll prove my faith. Well, actually, that doesn't prove your faith. You don't have to prove your faith to God anyway. So, but if I mash my glasses all up, then God will have to heal me supernaturally. No, that's not true. See, God's already provided healing for you that you can receive, and it is supernatural healing. But it doesn't obligate God to do something just because you flush medicine down the toilet or stomp on your glasses. But a lot of people think that's faith. Actually, sometimes it's presumption. They think, I'm going to force God's hand. The good news is you don't have to force his hand. You can receive from him what he's already provided. But I I had a friend who decided he was going to prove his faith. He was going to go take his driver's on-the-road test without his glasses to prove his faith. He flunked. He learned a lesson. Yeah. He thought, I'm going to make God heal me because I'm going to put God on the spot by going and taking my on-the-road test. And Well, it didn't put God on the spot. He put himself on the spot, and it didn't work out. That's right. yeah, it's like you know, people go, I threw away my medicine, and then they end up having to go buy some more. You see, whether or not you're healed and you know that you've received your healing, that has nothing to do with medicine. That's right. Now, your doctor will tell you when you don't need the medicine anymore. We've had a number of people healed of diabetes, and we, don't tell, we never tell a diabetic, stop taking insulin. Mm-hmm. 
But what's happened is we had someone in our church like that and they went, they were feeling weird, but a different kind of weird. So they went to the doctor, I'm feeling weird, but it's a different kind of weird. And the doctor tested her out and and said, actually the problem is, it seems like your body's making insulin properly. And when you take this extra insulin, it's throwing you off. So you should stop taking insulin. Well, all right. You know, that, that's, that's, you know it, and the other thing is you don't have to be afraid of going to the doctor. It is not anti-faith to see a doctor. Let me tell you something. If you have something wrong with you, going to the doctor does not cause that to be. Very good. That's very good. Oh, if I go to the doctor, I might have cancer or something. Well, look, if you had cancer in your body, going to the doctor and he discovers it doesn't make it happen. It's just you find out about it. So, but some people, some people think it's faith to not go to the doctor, but they're actually staying away out of fear. Yeah. They're afraid to go to the doctor because they're afraid what the doctor's going to tell them. Yeah. And that, that's fear. That's not faith. Yeah. See, uh, if you're really in faith, it doesn't matter what the doctor tells you. Right. He can tell you, well, it looks like you have six weeks to live. We've met lots of people who've been told you've got, say, two to... 12 weeks to live. It's your stage four. It's over. Write your will. There's nothing that can be done. And we've seen him healed. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. And the doctor does his best. He'll report what the facts are, but the truth overrides the facts. God's word is truth, and it will override the facts. So you don't have to be afraid of going to the doctor. Because if you're really in faith, and the doctor says, you're going to die... Then, and you said, no, I, you just, no, I'm not going to die. I will live and not die and mm-hmm. declare the works of the Lord. I'm going to glorify God. And I, have, I believe I received my healing. He, he's right you know, from a medical perspective, but I've got a higher perspective than he's got. Right. So I'm not threatened if he tells me I have some horrific illness that's going to kill me. That's right. Very good. Amen? Amen. Amen. Very good. But it's not anti-faith to see a doctor. In fact, a lot of people really need to go see a doctor because they think they're in faith, but I, especially younger believers sometimes, they'll think, well, I guess I don't need a doctor because, because Jesus is my doctor. Well, if, you're, if you can operate at that level, you can operate at that level. But if you're not ready to do that, then you could do yourself a lot of harm by not going to see the doctor. And sometimes a doctor can prescribe something where you'll feel at least better while you're getting healed. Amen. Very good. It's like, yeah, it's like saying, well, I got a headache. Well, you can tough it out and believe God, or you can take a couple ibuprofens or something and, and say, well, you know, I, I believe I'm healed, but I'm going to do something to at least relieve this, even though I believe I received my healing for whatever it is. It is not anti-faith to do that. You know, the old timers used to say, oh, if you even take an aspirin, you're sinning because you're doubting God, so you can't have anything in your house. Um, That's extreme to me. I I don't see that you need to, you know, have a ban on having any pills in your house or any kind of remedies. You know, God is not against that. God is for you being well. Now, some people take it to another extreme, though, and they say, well, sometimes God's path for your healing is he wants you to go to the doctor instead of healing you supernaturally. That's where I get off that highway. I have to take the exit because there is no case in Scripture, and you always go back to Scripture. That's, that's it. Scripture is the last word on everything. So if, if that statement were true, then there would be some place you could find in the Gospels where Jesus said, I'm sorry, I'm not going to heal you supernaturally. Go see Dr. Luke for a prescription. Jesus never said that. He never said, my path for your healing is I'm not going to do it myself. Man is going to heal you. You never see that. That's right. Very good. But he's not against doctors. He said the sick need a physician. That's right. He's the best physician around, but he's not against physicians. As a matter of fact, another obscure proof of that, I think it's back in Deuteronomy, that there's someone does something to someone and it says that part of the penalty you had to pay is to provide for that person to be completely healed. Well, you, did, you couldn't heal them back in Deuteronomy. So what did that mean? It meant you paid their medical bills, you, went, you paid their doctor bills. So God couldn't have been against doctors if the law actually prescribed, if you do something, you hurt somebody, then you pay for their doctor bills. That's right. If it were wrong to go to the doctor, he'd say, well, you don't even get near a doctor. 
And so people say, well, what about Asa? You know, Asa, you know, went to the physicians instead of the Lord, and the Lord was upset with him. The, Asa's problem was he went to the doctor, but he did not trust the Lord at all. That's right. Asa's history, he's one of these guys, unfortunately, there's many of them, of them in Scripture. He started out real well, but later on he started getting puffed up and started getting into doubt and fear and, you know, started trusting other armies instead of trusting the Lord. And then finally he got to the point he got a disease and he went to the physicians, but he did not seek the Lord. The problem was that he did not seek the Lord. It was not that he went to physicians. Very good. That's, That's not against going to physicians. But if you do go to the physician, if you do go to the ER, believe God. That's not an either or thing. You don't have to throw your faith out the window just because you go to the ER. That's right. I had a kidney stone back when I was 30, and I went to the ER. But before I went to the ER, I said, Lord, I believe I received my healing for whatever it is. I didn't know what it was. I didn't know what was wrong with me. I guess I knew, knew I was in horrific pain, and I needed help. <laughs> so, but I believed that I received my healing. And, and over a couple of days, they, they ended up saying, well, we're sorry, Mr. Young. You're just going to have to hurt for a few weeks because there's really nothing we can do for you. Great. <laughs> and so I said, well, I can hurt at home, so why am I here? If you can't do anything for me, why am I paying money to be in the hospital? And they're like, oh, oh okay, well, yeah, you can go home. <laughs> like, well, thanks. <laughs> They'd make more money if I stayed there, but that's an expensive hotel. That's right. So I went home and I was hurting. And this is like 36 hours after I'd believed I received my healing. And finally I said, Lord, you said you give your beloved sleep. And I can't sleep with this terrible pain. So just to keep your promise that you give me sleep, you've got to make this pain stop. He did. As a matter of fact, there was all of a sudden no more kidney stone. The only way I knew it was gone, I heard a clunk the next morning. <laughs> and it didn't hurt at all on the way out. Now, I still had gone to the doctor. That's right. And that was not sin for me to go to the doctor. That's right. Very good. But my trust was still in God because God did something for me the doctor said they couldn't do. They just, well, we'll give you stuff to loop you out so that you don't hurt so bad for the next few weeks or whatever. But God had a better plan. Amen. But it's not sin to go to the doctor. That's one of the big questions we get asked. And it's not sin to take medicine. So don't, don't ever condemn yourself because you reach for something in the medicine cabinet. Amen. Now that doesn't mean trust in that only like the world doesn't forget God. But while you're learning, you know, it's, there's, there's no problem with getting natural help. Amen. In fact, there's sometimes you can avoid situations uh, and it's better to avoid the situation than to go around hurting. Uh, for example, I went to Guyana which is the, not Ghana, which is in Africa, but Guyana, which is the north coast of South America. And I went down there and started feeling, Ugh. well, what it was, it wasn't that the devil was attacking me per se, it's just the water is really horrible there. <laughs> and I was drinking the water and not feeling very good. So the next time I went back to Guyana, I said, I'm not drinking any more of that water. So I had soda instead of water. Um, but of course it was all lukewarm, icky, so you know, I put ice in it. And I forgot that ice is made out of water. <laughs> and whatever was in that water was in the ice, and I'm like, Ugh, feeling horrible again. Now, no, it, and it's not wrong to take some kind of remedy for that, but it'd be better not to be in that situation in the first place. Now that's what Paul did when he talked to Timothy in 1 Timothy 5 about his frequent ailments with his stomach. He said, you know, don't just drink that water, drink wine instead. And the, the point was, Timothy, there, I guess there was a problem with the water there, and he had to give Timothy some natural counsel, just like he, Paul would probably tell me, hey, Steve, if you go to Guyana, lay off the water, drink something else, <laughs> or you will learn the hard way, like you did before. <laughs> but see, it's, it, you, there's times you can just not get sick in the first place, and that's better than getting sick and then getting healed. Because the will of God for you is for you to be in health and prosper, even as your soul prospers. You know, 3 John verse 2. It's better to be in health, and that's what he wants for you, rather than get sick, get healed, get sick, get healed, get sick, get healed, get sick, get healed. He wants you to stay in health so you don't get sick in the first place. But there's things we can do in the natural to help us not get sick in the first place sometimes. 
Like if you ever go to Guyana, don't drink the water. But see, Paul was not anti-faith. He was not anti-laying hands on the sick. It's the same Paul who got everybody healed, like we talked about last night on the island of Melita. Uh, but he was giving Timothy just some natural advice. Because some people take that and say, see, that shows that God wouldn't heal Timothy. Nothing of the sort. Timothy was healed by the stripes of Jesus legally, just like the rest of us. Paul was simply trying to tell Timothy, Timothy, if you change what you're doing, you you won't have these ailments. Now, he didn't have an ailment. It was ailments, meaning he was getting healed, but then he got sick again, then he got healed again, then he got sick again, then he got healed again. And Paul was just trying to tell Timothy, hey, if you change what you're doing, you can not get sick in the first place. And it's better to just not get sick in the first place, even though you can get healed. But that was the whole point there. Yeah, because people like to ask about that. Another one is, here, here's another big question that I get asked, probably more than just about anything else. And that is, I got prayed for, but I don't feel better. Now what? Mm-hmm. Ever been in that situation where you have hands laid on you and, and, you don't, and you still don't feel good? Well, now what? Well, Jesus said in Mark 11, Mark eleven twenty four. whatever it is that you're asking when you pray, believe that you receive it and it'll be yours. When you believe you receive it, that means, and literally that Greek word is take. Yeah. Now, words, you take from God whatever it is you need. Well, how do you know you can take it? Because you believe based on the word that it's there for the taking. Healing is there for the taking. You don't pray and ask God to whip up a new batch of healing for you. If you're sick, healing is there for the taking. You can take it when you pray. But then what if you don't feel better after you believe you've taken it? That's time to say, let God be true and every man a liar. That's right. I've taken it. Jesus said, if I believe I receive when I pray, it's mine. Healing's mine. I've received it. And I don't care what my body says right now. I have my healing. I had to do that with allergies that I had when I was much younger. I had pretty bad allergies that got in the way of my work because I was just sneezing and coughing and blowing my nose all the time. It was horrible. And so finally I got to the point and said, I believe I receive my healing now for these allergies. And the next day I got up and went to work and I can't remember a day I was worse. (laughs) Sneeze, 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 sneeze. I mean, if you were there, I'd probably sneeze at you, you know, because I was sneezing all the time. And it looked like the prayers backfired. It looked like it was worse. It looked like I didn't really get my healing from those allergies. How silly of me to think I could get healed praying about just by believing I was. Look at me now. That's what it looked like in the natural. I was worse. But I said, I believe I've received my healing and it doesn't matter what I'm seeing in my body right now. I did take it and I'm not giving it my healing over to the devil with my mouth because that's his game. He wants me to say, oh, nuts, it didn't work. And once I say that, now he's got permission to afflict me again because I've just declared something that's anti-Bible. I've just declared something that agrees with the devils. It didn't work. Well, Jesus said it does work. But if I'm agreeing with the devil instead of agreeing with Jesus, that gives the devil rights again. And I wasn't going to do that. And so I'm there sneezing and sneezing and sneezing and sneezing. And sneezing. I'm healed. I'm healed. I'm healed. I'm healed. I'm healed. I went for a walk in the park that lunchtime. When I came back from that walk in the park where I just kind of hung out with the Lord for a while, all the allergy symptoms stopped. And that's the end of them. They never came back. Thank you, Jesus. And that was like 40 years ago. Amen. But I had to make a stand of faith. So what do you do if you don't feel like you're better? After you pray, you stick with the word and you keep agreeing with your... Make your mouth agree with God instead of agree with Satan. Very good. There's another condition I had where I was losing my eyesight in my left eye. Everything was all wavy. It turned out I had a growth in my eye and it was inoperable. They said, you have a growth in your eye and it's distorting the back of your eye because there's a growth there. And they said, there's nothing we can do because it's around your optic nerve. Usually we do laser surgery and we just zap the growth and that'd be the end of it. But the problem is where that growth is, if we zap it, we'll zap your optic nerve and you'll go blind completely. 
So I said, so what do I do? Are there glasses or something you can prescribe? He says, no, there's no glasses that can fix this. He said, you'll just have to accept having blurrier vision for the rest of your life. I didn't want that. But that's what the doctor said. Now, again, that, it was not a problem that I went to the doctor. God didn't have a problem with that. Going to the doctor did not create that growth in my eye. He simply reported something that was already there. I didn't get a growth because I went to the doctor. <laughs> but at least he could tell later it was gone. <laughs> and I was actually 2015 in that eye later on. But what happened was I just got some buddies together and said, I'm going to believe I receive right now. You know, the word says, they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. You know, this, this is getting to the point I was going to have to go on disability or something because my eyesight was getting so that I... Couldn't do much. So I said, okay, I'm going to believe I receive right now. Now lay hands on me, and I'm going to believe that I recover. I have to recover. I'm taking it right now. It wasn't a special healing meeting or anything. It was just a prayer service at the church, and it was just after the service was over. It's like, I've had enough of this. I've, I'm taking my healing now. And for the next week and a half, my eyesight got worse. <laughs> and I had a choice to make. Am I going to walk by faith or walk by sight? Sight wasn't looking so good. <laughs> sight said, you're not healed, you're not healed. Every time I'd look, you're not healed, you're not healed, you're not healed. See, it's worse. See that? And the devil said, that's what you get for praying. See, now you're worse than if you've never prayed. Ha, 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 ha. And again, same kind of decision I had to make. Am I going to agree with the devil or agree with the word? Jesus said, I can believe I received when I prayed. I did believe I received when I prayed. Let God be true and every man a liar. That's right. And so after about between one and a half and two weeks of just worse... I was in my bedroom, and all of a sudden, it's like a flash bulb went off, but it didn't come from the outside. It came from the inside. It was really hard to describe in English, but I know this much. After that flash, there was no more problem with that eye, and I could see normally with that eye. Amen. Went back to the doctor, got it checked out. I was better than 2020 with that eye, and you know, the, got rid of the growth. Amen. But see, I had to, there was a time between the amen and the there it is. That I had to walk the walk of faith and say, I believe I received when I prayed and I'm not going to let go of this. And I'm not going to let the devil have my healing by saying, oh, nuts, it didn't work. Because yeah. then he'd be authorized to afflict me some more. Why? Because I'm running my big mouth. And see, Jesus said you're going to have whatever you're believing in your heart and saying with your mouth. If I believe with my heart and I say with my mouth, I guess I'm not healed, guess what I'm going to walk in? I'm going to walk in not healing. Mm -hmm. But if I believe in my heart and I say with my mouth what God says about me, I am healed. Mm -hmm. Very good. Now I'm going to have that. Yeah. Well, I'd rather have that. Amen. But so if you don't see any difference right away, you, you don't throw in the towel. You don't say, oh, nuts, it didn't work. Instead, that's the time to say, let God be true and every man a liar. I did receive when I prayed, and I still have it right now, and that's just the way it is. And I don't know when I'm going to see the manifestation of it, but you know what? That's not even my business. God is going to keep his word, because he always keeps his word. His word is true. I've had hands laid on me in the name of Jesus. I'm recovering, and that's just it. And I, I will not accept any other result. Amen. Right. And know what? You can do that, too. Praise God. Amen. Amen. So th those are some oft-asked questions. But let me just throw this open now. Anyone have a question that you want to ask? Good. Oh, the, we, yeah, we've got one in there. Oh, we good. Awesome. Good. And we'll get to that one. You know, I've got a bunch more we can go over that are, you know, FQAs. <laughs> where, you know, yeah. You know, how about this one? What about Job? Well, what about him? Well, maybe I'm another Job. No, you're not. How do I know you're not? Because there's no such thing as a New Testament Job. It's impossible. You cannot be Job in the New Testament. Well, why not? Well, who afflicted Job? It says Satan smote Job from head to 
foot with you know all these sores and all these horrible ailments. It was the devil who did it. It wasn't God. If the devil did that in the New Testament, any believer could say, Satan, I take authority over you in the name of Jesus. You take your junk and get out of here. I'm healed by the stripes of Jesus. Body, I command you to line up with the word. You can't be Job too, under the new covenant. You have authority over Satan. Well, why didn't Job take authority over Satan? He didn't have authority over Satan. He didn't have the new covenant. He couldn't take authority over Satan. That was not available back then. But it is available today. So if Satan were to try to afflict you the way he afflicted Job, you could run him off in the name of Jesus. You know, it's interesting because back when I was getting healed of those allergies, the very book that inspired me to get healed was the book of Job. So I get pretty passionate about the book of Job. A lot of people are like, oh, don't read Job. Oh, that's the last thing you need to read, you know, if, if you're sick. Well, you, know, you know, there's nothing that says faith comes by hearing the word of God except for the book of Job. And unbelief comes by hearing the book of Job. So don't touch the book of Job. Just be afraid of the book of Job and don't read it. No, faith comes by hearing everything in Scripture, including the book of Job. I found out some things about old Job there. Job, first of all, Job enjoyed better health than most Christians. He, he talked about months of suffering, you know, are appointed to me. You know, in Job 7.3, he described it as months, and yet Job ended up living another 140 years after that, and he wasn't sick anymore. Yeah. If you take the amount of time Job was sick as a percentage of his life, he'd beat most Christians. Because wow. when God had his way, you know, Job did get healed. You know, people magnify the, the months that he suffered, but he went for years and years and years and years and years and years, 140 years, and, and he, didn't, he wasn't suffering anymore. And besides, we find, I found out reading the book of Job that Satan is the sickener and God is the healer. Satan's the one who made him sick and God's the one who healed him. That, well, if Satan's the one who made him sick and I got authority over Satan, then I don't need to be sick and I ought to have God heal me because God's my healer. If he, is he, if he was Job's healer, he can be my healer too. So why not? Besides that, Job had a vision of Jesus. He said, I know my Redeemer lives and he'll stand at the last days on the earth. And then he made a really interesting comment in Job 33. He said, De deliver from going down to the pit Yep, you can read it. Job didn't say it. I think Elihu said it. But, it. but it says, Deliver from going down to the pit, for I have found an atonement. He shall return to the days of his youth. His flesh shall be like that of a child's. Well, how do you get your youth back? How do you get your flesh restored? Deliver from going down to the pit, for I have found an atonement. And I thought to myself, but I've, I, I found an atonement. It's Jesus. Jesus did an atonement for me. Therefore, I'm delivered from going down to the pit. Amen. Very good. And my flesh shall be like that of a child's. Mm -hmm. I had a chance to, to check this out in the extreme. Um, I, I fell down a ledge by the ocean in Newfoundland head first. It was solid rock. And my, I was bouncing uh, down the ledge. Not a good thing. <laughs> Uh, Rosie could tell you. It shredded my shirt. It scratched my chest. It put a hole in one of my legs. It kind of conked me out for a while. And it just ripped skin off of my face. And it was really bad. And so they, they were like, well, you need to be airlifted to a hospital. Do you need to call, you know, get an airlift out here or something? I said, no, bring me my Bible. And of course, I think they were a little upset, actually. You know, folks who were staying with, you know, he wants a Bible. He needs to be airlifted to a hospital. He said, no, I want my Bible. So I, and I'm just going over what the Word said about me. And so anyway, I was so badly scraped up that when we were going to go back to the States in a few days, and we, we crossing the border, Rosie's like, you know, put this hat on you know, so no one sees you. Because if they see that, they, they, she was afraid they were going to think she did something to me. <laughs> I was not. He was a bloody mess. I was a bloody mess. And she, we, she didn't want to have to explain it or try to explain it. Or, or else have them say, no, wait a minute, don't come in here looking like that. 
<laughs> Go to the hospital in Canada and come back when you don't look like that anymore. But I believe that scripture in Job of all places. Deliver from going down to the pit, for I have found an atonement. He shall return to the days of his youth. His flesh shall be like that of a child's. That my flesh shall be like that of a child's, because there's been an atonement made for me. Amen. Very good. That's so good. By Sunday, we got home Saturday night. I got up to church to speak in church on Sunday. Nobody knew anything had happened. My flesh was like that of a child. I was completely healed. No big scars and scrapes, or you know, I didn't look like anything had happened to me. Well, that's pretty extreme. It was pretty extreme. And I got the faith for that reading the book of Job. So, you know, faith comes by hearing the word of God. That includes the book of Job. Do you know that even Job said, if there were only a mediator between me and God, that he could lay his hands on God and on me, this wouldn't be happening. And I thought, wait a minute. 1 Timothy 2.5 says there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. I have a mediator. And Job said if there were just a mediator, this wouldn't happen. And I've got a mediator, so I don't have to have this happen. Job didn't know about his mediator. He'd never met the mediator. He hadn't come and died on a cross yet. But he did come before I showed up, and he died on the cross. He's my mediator. I do have a mediator, so therefore the stuff that happened to Job doesn't have to happen to me. See, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God, including the book of Job. Yeah. And I literally got faith to be healed of those allergies reading the book of Job. And your skin. And my skin. No, well, again, faith came by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And you can do the same thing. That those scriptures all apply to you. You've got a mediator. And that's why you can, that's another reason you cannot be another Job. Even the real Job said if there were just a mediator, then this would be done with. But there is a mediator for you. So it can be done with for you. You don't have to go through the sufferings of Job. And it's not God's will for you to go through the sufferings of Job. You're redeemed from all that stuff. Thank God. You don't have to be afraid of reading the book of Job. Now there's one place in there that, that throws people for a loop. Job 42.11. One of the hardest scriptures probably to explain in the Old Testament. It said that Job's friends came and... They, they, they basically had a pity party for Job. And it said that they came and, and they comforted Job about all that the Lord had brought upon him. Uh-oh. Well, now what about that? Because Job 42.11 says, his, if it says his friends came and comforted him about all the ills that the Lord had brought upon him. And, and if scripture is... The standard, and it says the Lord brought it upon him. Well, now what are we going to do with that? I've got an answer for you, but it's food for thought. Uh-oh, what about that? And a lot of people get twisted up you know, over that kind of thing. Uh-oh, well, you know, it says the Lord brought it upon him. And, it, and you could say, yes, but it says that Satan's the one who afflicted him in Job 2 and you know, Job 1. But, but then they'll say, yeah, but God allowed it. And therefore, he was the one who was really responsible because he allowed Satan to do it, and therefore the Lord brought it on Job. Ha, 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 ha. Well, and you'll hear that a lot. Well, what about that? What about the fact it says that they comforted him concerning all the evil the Lord had brought upon him? The way to understand that is that was written from the perspective of Job's friends saying that Job's friends thought that the Lord had brought it upon him and they were comforting him about the evil that they thought the Lord had brought upon him. But it wasn't really the Lord. That's right. Now, in order to make that bold statement, I'd better be able to back that up elsewhere in Scripture or else I'm saying, well, everywhere else the narrator is correct. But in Job 42.11, you know, this narrative is not correct. Is there anywhere else in Scripture that we could turn to to justify saying that was only from their perspective? Answer, yes. John 5.19, it said that the Jews sought to kill Jesus because he had broken the Sabbath. 
Now here's a question. It said the Jews sought to kill him because he had broken the Sabbath. Did Jesus actually break the Sabbath? Obviously not. If Jesus had actually broken the Sabbath, he would have been a sinner like the rest of us and he'd be unfit to pay for our sins on the cross. He'd no longer be able to be our substitute if he'd really broken the Sabbath. So when John 5.19 says the Jews sought to kill him because he had broken the Sabbath, what it means is from their perspective, he had broken the Sabbath. Same ideas in Job 42.11. Just so we got two or three witnesses here, um, Joshua 2.7 is another example of that. Rahab was hiding the spies. And it said, and, and, and so they went to Rahab, hey, where's those guys? And Rahab said, oh, they, they, they took off over that way. And, and if you run, maybe you can catch them. They were actually on, they were on her roof, hiding under some flax bundles. And in Joshua 2, 7, it says, so they pursued them, you know, going up. Now, it said they pursued them all the way to the river or whatever it was. But the thing is, they weren't there. When it says that they pursued them all the way to wherever, that was from their perspective. They thought they were pursuing them, but they actually weren't. They were on Rahab's roof. That's right. They weren't pursuing them because they, they, they could have just stayed right there if they wanted to get a hold of them. That's right. But when it said it pers- they were pursuing them all the way to wherever, that is from their perspective. That's Do you right. see that? That's right. So I would take Job 42.11 the same way. The friends comforted him for all the evils the Lord had brought upon him. They thought the Lord had brought it upon him. That was from their perspective. The same as John 5.19, the same as Joshua 2.7. This helping anybody? Yeah, because people do get caught up in that. And and there's unbelief websites out there that'll really push things like Job 42.11. Say, see, see, it was the Lord. It was the Lord after all. See, the Lord allowed it. It was all up to him. Blah, 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 blah. Okay. Yeah, we'll do it. On that one, Brother Steve, just to help. Remember, we've talked about this. We've been doing a lot of study mixed in about Bible interpretation. What Brother Steve pointed out is one of the laws or principles, rules of Bible interpretation, which is everything in Scripture is truly recorded, but that doesn't mean everything in Scripture is true. Right. Right. It said, you know, because the Pharisees, again, of Jesus said things like this, well, those that turn the whole world upside down have come here. Well, they, had, they didn't actually turn the whole world yeah. upside down. Yeah. Right? So there's a lot of stuff that was truly recorded Again, Job's friends truly said that, but that doesn't make what they said true. And as you're helping people and yourselves, you have to realize that as you're reading things, what is truth truth versus, okay, yes, that's what was said. Because even Job in his own book, he said, the Lord gives, the Lord takes away, blessed be the name of the Lord. Well, Job really said that. Later in the book, he, he had says, to repent. He said, oh yeah, yeah that was wrong. <laughs> he was have, wrong. I shouldn't have said that. So anyway, yep. I just wanted to and and that Goliath out. said, come here, pipsqueak, and I'm going to feed your flesh to the birds. That's right. That's truly recorded that Goliath said those words. That's yeah. in the Bible. But it's not what happened. That's right. That was from Goliath's perspective. He thought that was what was going to happen, but it isn't what happened. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even though the words are recorded. That's right. Yes. Amen. Yeah. So you want to take a break and we'll... Uh, Absolutely. Okay, if you, I have a healing book that's available for free to anybody who wants it. Um, it's in PDF format, so you can download it. Um, the website, if you're interested, is cstephen, with a P-H, young.com. So if you go to c-s-t-e-p-h-e-n-y-o-u-n-g.com, um, the best way to do it is to right-click on it and download it as a file and then use the Adobe PDF Reader. Um, it's a better experience because you can go back and forth more easily between different things. Uh, if you just do it through the browser, sometimes you end up having to start over again if, if you've clicked through a bunch of things. But anyway, if you go to cstephenyoung.com, um, it's over 2,800 pages. Uh, it's got over a million words. Uh, um, by the way, a King James Bible has like 780,000 words, just for comparison. So there's a lot in there about healing. You will not read it all in one night. I didn't write it all in one night either. Uh, but it's got, uh, it's got about 200 articles about healing. And then it's got answers to over 200 questions about healing. That's awesome. And it's got answers to over 400 objections to divine healing. 
Well, what about Paul's thorn in the flesh? What about Trophimus who was left at Miletum sick? You know, what about, what about, what about, what about? Well, if you never get sick, you never die. Ha, 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 ha. You know, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is the stuff people say. And so there's answers to all of that stuff. Um, and in case you've ever been to these unbelief websites where, you know, they have all these arguments, I got a lot of the objections in my book off the unbelief websites. And then I answered them. Because a lot of these things, people say, well, if you never get sick, you never die. Well, the, you don't have to die from sickness. Right. By whose stripes you were healed applies to you until the day you're gone. Yeah. <laughs> There's no statute of limitations that once you get a certain age, then healing is no longer applicable for you. That's right. See, now think about this for a minute. If, this were tr- if it were true, then somewhere Jesus would have encountered someone in the four Gospels and said, oh, I'm sorry. You're too old. I won't heal you. You're supposed to die from that. The Lord is calling you home with that so he can take you so that you can have a funeral and the preacher can get up and say, well, God took him and the Lord used that cancer to call him home. And blah, 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 blah. No. Well, no, that is simply not true. As long as by your stripes you're healed, that applies as long as you're on this earth. Now, when you get to the point you're ready to go, well, go. You can go. You'll get to a point at some point where you can say, I, like Paul, I finished my course, I've run my race, I've done what I was supposed to do here, and I'm just ready to go home. And at that point, you can be like the patriarchs of old, just give up the ghost. Yes. You know, instead of you know, letting Satan evict you with some horrible sickness and you know, be, spend your last days on earth gasping with a respirator or something, that's not the will of God for you. Yeah. Amen? In fact, we knew an, I knew a lady, Ma Hardiman. She was 95 years old. And when she went to be with the Lord, she didn't have any sickness at all. But she told her family, she said, I've raised godly kids. I've raised godly grandkids. Yeah, that, you know, I've got a godly family. But I really believe I've done everything I'm supposed to do here. And I'm just ready to go be with Jesus. And I'm just letting you all know I'm ready to go be with Jesus. And they're like, oh, okay. Then the next morning, they found her out on her porch swing, and she was like this. She had gone home praising the Lord. She was not clutching her chest or you know, just you know, crumbled up in a mess or something. She just started praising the Lord and went home to be with Jesus. Now, that's the way to go. Not getting evicted you know, by the devil of some kind of you know, silly illness. <laughs>